Did you know the average number of people who apply for any given job is 118? Only 20% of those applicants get interviewed because many companies use software to screen out applicants before anyone ever sees your resume. Simply uploading your resume won't get you a job. To get you hired, you need an advocate. Express Employment Professionals is the local resource to help you land a new job. Express has more than 18,000 jobs available weekly. And when you interview at Express, we'll check out your skills and connect you with available jobs. Express has jobs in manufacturing, accounting, customer service, sales, distribution, and information technology. Tired of applying online and never hearing back? Visit your locally owned Express office today to speak with professionals connected to the available jobs in your area. Express never charges a job seeker to find employment. Visit ExpressBros.com today to find the nearest location. Apply online at ExpressBros.com or visit an office near you today. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Are you a real practicing witch? Yes, I am. How did that happen? <laughs> uh, it's been a... Uh... It's been a 20-year journey, at least. Uh, I feel like I've always been drawn to to witchcraft and myths and magic uh, pretty much my whole life, especially myths. I'm fascinated with Egypt and all that mythology as a young girl. And uh, as I became a teenager, found out there were other paths of spirituality that I could explore that were being practiced today and uh, fell down a rabbit hole and found witchcraft. Now, now, being a witch, does that mean you're a Wiccan? I am not Wiccan. I consider myself a modern traditional witch. Okay. Because a Wiccan is, uh, that's, you know, religious, right, in its own right. Yes. Uh, And uh, some people consider a Wiccan and witch the same thing. Uh, To me, that refers to a particular tradition, mainly based out of the UK. And my practice evolves from all of my own background, which is from all over. Uh, and where I am today without ceremonial magic and other kinds of hierarchy. Now, you sound like a good witch. I wanted a witch with a wart on her nose and somebody, (laughs) you know, placing curses on people and stuff. You don't sound like you're that way. I I like to consider myself an effective witch. I think that's the best label. (laughs) Now, what's an effective witch? Uh, Get the work done. You know, something has to get done, make sure it happens. Do you do curses? I do all kinds of work. I believe that uh, magic is energy, and everything has positive and negative results to it. Uh, If you consider a healing spell, if you are healing a sickness, someone might have a virus or a bacteria, and eventually that you have to kill that virus or bacteria for them to get better, right? Have some people abused witchcraft, Laura? Uh, I think some people do, but I don't consider them in the realm of witchcraft. It's more people who latch onto it as an easy kind of magical band-aid fix rather than an actual practitioner. Well, where did the, you know, the, the witchcraft uh, of evil and doing bad things, where did that happen? Was that from Hollywood? How did that get started? I would say Hollywood is, is definitely one angle to look at. If you want to go back historically, though, to... Uh, as people like to call the the burning times, which uh, not exactly historical period, but looking at the witch hunts starting in from the 15th century onward, you're, it's it could be considered the the church's war on you know on healers or on people who were not following uh, their predetermined path on how it was supposed to be. You know, it's your it's our way or the highway kind of mentality. 
And uh, so if you you were marginal, if you didn't believe that system or worked outside of it, then you were evil. Now, you happen to also be an artist. So tell me how you mix that in with witchcraft. I guess I've uh, been an artist almost all my, my whole life. And I look at what I create as bringing forth either kind of a sense of ritual and imagery, um, bringing myth to life. Uh, myth is very important. I think it's been a tool for uh, thousands upon thousands of years that we've used to uh, explore our existence and, you know, and our moralities and ideas. So putting that into image and putting it into sculpture, uh, talismans, things like that, is a perfect application for me. All right. And uh, anybody in your family, witches? Uh, I don't think my mom would appreciate that title, so I would say no. <laughs> so you're all by yourself. Now, and what's a, what's a cauldron, by the way? The witch's cauldron. What's a cauldron? Um, cauldron is a vessel that is used to contain. Uh, originally, every single culture has come up with a kind of cauldron. We've, we, as humankind, we needed a solution for carrying water or, you know, holding onto fire to cooking. So it's most essentially a container. Hmm. Now, this container is that where you mix potions and things like that. You could look at it that way. Tell me more. <laughs> so you can, uh, if you think about it, what a cauldron could be used for, is, uh, it could be for cooking, right? could be for brewing. If you want to make ale or mold wine or something like that. So between stews to brews. You don't cook, and... <laughs> cook people in there, do you? <laughs> you can also use it for, for cleaning and cleansing. Uh, I'd like to say it's the ye old washing machine is back in the day. You did everything with your cauldron. Is, it this, is, it, is it cast iron or what is it? Uh, we, we've evolved to cast iron. That is mo the most common um, that most people think of when you think of a cauldron. Uh, but it started back in the earliest Bronze Age. Again, every culture that you go to, as soon as they started working metal, they started making metal containers. So you will find historically beautiful cauldrons made out of bronze, brass, and copper if they survived the centuries. Okay, so w with these cauldrons... Uh, is there anything special about them? Do you need to know anything in order to, you know, mix up whatever you do? Depends on what you want to do with it. So with cast iron, uh, it does not react well with uh, acidity. Like, I wouldn't make the uh, the family tomato sauce or gravy, as I call it in my family. It'll taste tinny, won't it? <laughs> well, it would rust your cauldron pretty quickly. So you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, and the same thing is for um, if you are doing different kinds of magical workings, say working with herbs or candles or various oils, you don't want to be cooking your pasta dinner in that same thing that you're huh. mixing. You know, I guess not. <laughs> you know, I would, I would, how how big is this thing? Um, the culture can be any size. Uh, today, if you go to a metaphysical or cult shop, you'll probably find little tiny cauldrons, which are really adorable, uh, not very effective for besides holding a couple little stones or a candle. Or more more for decoration, I guess, huh? Yeah, for decoration and for just, you know, cuteness, I have to say. When you see tiny cauldrons, you go, oh, my God, it's so cute. I have to have one. Uh, all the way up to, you know, big-sized cauldrons that people might use for cooking outside and for camping. So... It's all sizes. There's not just one. You know, the number two cauldron, like from Harry Potter. You've got to work out uh, that 
is called the power sigil, or how do you pronounce that? Sigil? Sigil, yes. You, sigil. you got it on the first track. First, first one was right. Okay, what is that? Uh, power sigil, uh, so a sigil is a symbol or design that holds power or is believed to have magical properties. And the power sigil was created to empower people who felt that they might be endangered or uh, or concerned about their rights. Uh, I actually created it in late November. And I have a lot of friends who are very concerned about uh, their health care, um, their marginal status in society, sure. and you know, whether they are queer or, you know, of a, a different kind of marriage, and all those different kinds of spectrums. So I created that symbol for them to feel uh, empowered and being able to find their own focus. So people come to you, are you like a therapist? What do they want? I think you know, when I, I did do psychic readings in the past, and I felt like that was being a mix of a, a priestess and a therapist and, uh, and uh, probably a few other things in there. And for, for what I do now, whether it's for a, a sigil or a spell painting, it's helping people focus on what they need and how do they manifest that in their lives. Do they know what they need? Some people do. And I think, especially with the people that I work with, um, they're usually familiar with metaphysical practices, or they've been reading what I've been blogging about for quite some time, and I like focus it down to what is it that I need in my life, particularly um, need, not want. So, which with witchcraft, people will come to you. Uh, they have a special thing they want done. They want a job. They want a relationship. What do you do next? Well, if they're looking for a sigil, uh, I ask them for a few words. They need to create a type of statement. Uh, so if looking for a job, what are the specifics around that? Are they looking for a job that is fulfilling their financial needs as well as their emotional needs, and kind of advancement in their job, things like that? And so they would need to make a little brainstorming list. And then from there... I create symbols, uh, putting them together and sending it back to them so that they can apply it however they need. Some people like to to draw it and or put it on their mirror so they see it every day. Other people might put it on their desktop and uh, others might uh, set it on fire and, and release it out into the world. It depends on how they would like to apply it. Now, you have identified a modern traditional witch and tell me a little bit about that direction and path that they go on. The modern witch. The modern witch. So traditional reference to the folkloric path. You know, when you think of ye old historic witches, uh, the, the cunning folk, the wise women of the world, and wise, wise men as well, of and the, how do we come to natural solutions and deal with the spirit world, the liminal, um, the things that normal people don't want to deal with. And the modern aspect of that is acknowledging that I do come from a variety of different traditions, or I don't like to say a long line of people who like to sleep with other people from different cultures. <laughs> and I live here in the United States, so I can't claim something like from Scotland or from Italy or from Russia. I have to acknowledge that I live here in this place and connect with the, the, the location, the energy, as well as the tools of today. So I, w I am very sure that if you yield grandma witch for a couple hundred years ago, if you were to hand her matches or a lighter, she'd say, give me that. I'll do that instead of rubbing these sticks together. And Laura, how often do you, you know, cast a spell? Uh, I can't. I don't 
think I, I personally, for me, that I cast spells a lot. Um, besides the sigils or spellcraft paintings that I, I do, at least in the traditional sense. Uh, lots of people, when they think of a spell, they think of herbs and crystals and potions and lotions and all that sort of stuff. And I look at it more as putting my intention out there to, to manifest change, to affect the world around me. And I feel like we do that every day, so magic isn't something so much of an outside influence as you know, more of as human beings, how to relate to the world around us. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.